Welcome to the Speak As Well As You Think podcast brought to you by Vautier Communications. I'm your host, Jen Alex, and the goal of this show is to uncover communication strategies and behaviors that you can use to improve the way that you show up and perform at work. We'll talk about what effective communication looks like in action so that you can apply it to your own career. If you'd like a written summary of each episode, subscribe to our weekly email newsletter by visiting vautiercommunications.com. Welcome back to our listeners. Today, John, Matt, and I are discussing confidence in communication. First, why it's important, and second, how you can start to build your own. Thanks for joining me again, John and Matt. Yeah, thanks, Jen. Great to be here. John, let's start by talking about why confidence is important when you are speaking or interacting with other people. Yeah, I love this topic. I love this concept. I First, it's important because we do it personally, we do it professionally. We speak and communicate often. Our ability to be effective when we do that comes down to, can we be clear and can we be concise? Mm -hmm. I think those are the two big pillars that start to leverage why it's so important to have your own level of confidence. And that can look different for all of us, Jen. But I, I think, unfortunately, if we aren't clear and concise when we communicate to others, that tends to impact our confidence or how we are perceived in a confidence light in a negative way. And we don't want to miscommunicate. We don't want to make it difficult for audience members to understand what it is that we're sharing. We tell people, if you over-communicate, you tend to muddy the water. You make mm -hmm. things ch more challenging to actually get across or get understood by said audience. So there's a lot of variables. I do think in, in that sense, it does help credibility. The more clear and concise we can be with whatever it is that we're messaging around, that's what aids in our ability to come across as credible. And then we just know this from a personal standpoint, when we can connect and resonate better with our audiences, that's a good thing. That allows people to say, okay, I like those interactions. I enjoy speaking with or communicating to that person because he or she has a level of confidence around what it is that they're speaking on. And it's not arrogance. It's not being the loudest one in the room. It's not talking the most in the room, yeah. but it's making the most of what you say when you do decide to open your mouth. I think that's a, a big key. Yeah. And I know all three of us say, have said and say to our clients, more and better are not synonymous. So more is yeah. more, better is better. And a lot of people think when it comes to, especially that subject matter expertise, the more I share, the better it's going to come across, the more confident I'm going to sound, or the more of a subject matter expert I'll be. When that's not necessarily the case, it really is dependent on, is this more that you are adding adding something or adding value to your audience, or are you just saying more to quote unquote show off or look like you are the smartest person in the room? Right. And the way I like to describe it, I tell people, imagine two lanes that you're driving down and one lane is the more lane and the other lane is the better lane. Rarely do you want to just ride in between both lanes. Yeah. So you'd like to pick a lane and then stay in it. Am I adding more because it is adding value? And in that case, check that box and go ahead. But if I'm just adding more for the sake of adding more, I wouldn't necessarily make those lanes merge because your audience may realize, John, more isn't better. I don't need more information on this. Give it to me clear, give it to me concise, and then let's move on from there. Absolutely. And we know that people are naturally drawn to confidence. It's contagious when we walk into a room and we feel those people who have that confidence, we're drawn to them. Great leaders know how to use it to help drive initiatives or visions forward. But on the flip side, we know it's not always natural and some people do struggle with it. They have either some self-doubt, there's something called imposter syndrome that hangs around out there, or they just lack that overall confidence. So 
Matt, can you speak to how confidence can be built by specific individuals? How can we build our own confidence? Yeah, Jen. And I, I think I've seen a lot of this as I've come into the role. I think that you and you and John may be able to relate to this from coming in when you were a bit younger to a sales role and something where we're teaching older people, more executive level capacity, maybe some C-suite level people, how to speak more efficiently, how to speak more effectively. And not only in order to get that business, but in order to come in and teach that effectively and efficiently, I need that confidence. So building up something like that at the age of 24, coming into rooms of people who are 40 years older or older, that's definitely been tough for me. What I've found is that those skills that we teach, the physical and those vocal aspects, oftentimes those things sell your confidence themselves. If you can look and sound like the way a subject matter expert or a known speaker or a TED Talk speaker should speak, that message, like John said prior, is going to connect and resonate with your audience a lot easier than if you don't connect to them. If you don't have that high volume, that good inflection, a pace that they can follow, you're not using that eye contact and those hand gestures, et cetera. The first thing to do is to make yourself not seem like a robot. You have to do more than just go through those motions, more than just recite what that information is. Like we've said, we want to listen to that subject matter expert, that person that engages us, that person that brings us in the most, that person's going to be the one that uses those skills and uses them in relation to their material the best. Yeah. To, to piggyback on that, there's almost this idea of faking it till you make it. Yeah. And I know I, I lived that myself when I joined the business at 23. I, I didn't have the experience. I didn't have the, the background necessarily to say, okay, I've been doing this for X amount of years. A lot of my initial groups that I've worked with, I was doing this in year one. I was going out and coaching executives or people who had been in their roles in the business for 10 plus years, 15 plus years. And here I am introducing myself. I'll be your coach through today's program. And I started back in October. It's almost these these people thinking, okay, this will be interesting. Right. But you get more comfortable every time you repeat the process. And so long, it's the same thing we talk about nervousness. So long as you know what those skills are, a lot of them end up masking some of the nervous tells that people will have or will show if they lack that, that confidence to start with. Yep. But every time you do it thereafter, you are beginning to build your confidence, but it's all around action. And I think there's this idea where people tend to overthink or they say, oh, I'm not ready yet. I'll wait. Yeah. Wait for what? when will you be ready? It's one of those things people say, okay, if you put one foot in and one foot out, you're going to get frozen there. You're you're never going to take that leap or take that jump. So a lot of the confidence that you see that exists in the world today is because of people acting, mm-hmm. going out and doing the thing, whatever that thing is, and then getting the data thereafter to say, how did this go? How did I evaluate myself? How did others evaluate me? But that's what ends up building our confidence. It's not waiting around for the perfect time because that perfect time likely won't exist. Yeah. And also I think, I think that confidence is one very mental. It's something that's coming from the other things that are going on around that talk, whether it's the information we have, the audience that we have in front of us, et cetera. But it's also something that's very, like we like to call intangible. It's Mm -hmm. something that if someone were to say to you, can you go up there and just become a little bit more confident for me? There's other pieces to that puzzle that you need to fix to go in and change that overall confidence. What I've found is that saying to a lot of people, you know, your routine, your script, whatever it may be better than everybody in the audience. So those small hiccups that throw you off your 
own confidence or those small things that may cause you to take a quick pause it's, are things that listen a lot different in your mind than they listen to your audience. That's the yeah. first thing in that mental that I like to think about is when you're changing those skills, you're going to be the first one that notices the difference. Oftentimes, your audience is never going to notice. Yeah. So if you don't pause, you don't take that hiccup and you don't think about it, odds are your audience is never going to notice and you're going to continue on that same confident presentation that you've been giving that whole time. Absolutely. Yeah, it's Those a are great points. Flip on the radar, a speed bump, as we call it. And Matt, when you and I worked together initially, way back when, it was more around, you know, we made the joke, Matt, I'd love for you to be a bit more confident. People may say that. And then Matt comes back and says, John, I'd love to do that. I do not know what to do to make that happen. Yeah. And so when you can provide more, as we think about it from the coaching standpoint, when you can provide more tangible skills, more tangible changes, make eye contact, finish your thought with that person, then pause. Or put a period well before you are going into your off-the-cuff type of talk. Because as soon as you go off the cuff, it's obvious that you lose that confidence. You just haven't prepared or maybe practiced that material quite yet. But those are the things that end up making an audience feel like, okay, so-and-so is coming across more and more confident every time he or she speaks. Yep. And so piggybacking off of that, now that we know confidence is so important and there are different areas we can focus on, Matt, can you talk about being the youngest one in the group, what you do daily or weekly that helps build your own self-confidence for some of our listeners to bring on as well? Yeah, I think my biggest thing is to prepare for whatever it is that I'm doing, whether we're coming in and we're giving one of these podcasts, whether I'm going in and I'm giving a class, whether it's new material, old material. The best thing that I can do for my overall confidence and my overall mindset is to know exactly what I'm preparing, how I'm going to be delivering it, what kind of information is going to be in it, who it's going to be given to. Yep. Knowing your audience and having that sense of understanding before you come into the room is going to fight half that battle for you already mentally. As we said, this confidence is mainly a mental game. If you know what you're going to talk about, why you want to talk about it, why it's important to your audience, and all of those facts that you want to share, you're not going to feel as put up on the spot and as if somebody's kind of calling on you in the 11th hour to come up here and make this presentation. Yep. That's absolutely massive. And I would say that's probably 60% of where that confidence part comes from. Yeah. I think the other piece is taking that feedback, taking that feedback, whether it be from others, whether they're people above you in the organization, or even whether it's self-reflection from yourself, mm -hmm. those small wins, those things that you do well, whether it's going home and celebrating it by yourself, giving yourself a little pat on the back, make sure that you do that. The best way to boost your confidence is to acknowledge when you've done something well, because then you can continue to do things well in that nature. Yeah. If you can celebrate it one time, you're going to remember that and you're going to go back to that same routine, that same habit that's caused it to happen in that first place. I really like that comment there because if people can focus more on those positives and less on the negatives, it's amazing how much the mind starts to shift in seeing things going well. And when we see things or feel like things are going well, that builds our confidence. So rather than focusing on the things that didn't go well, not to say that that's not important to reflect on and figure out how can I do that differently next time, but we don't want to set up camp and live in that space. We need to make sure we're spending just as much time on those small wins and the positive things that happened because that's going to help shoot your confidence up. Yeah. And what I did personally, when I started was I would have two items. I would say things that went well, yeah. and then things that I could change to make it more impactful, more effective, but always starting with the things that went well, 
this is that whole growth mindset versus fixed mindset, yeah. right? A growth mindset is looking for what did, what did go well the first time? How can I start to stack those tiny wins and then use that compounding effect? But if I'm always only looking to nitpick on the things that didn't go well first, and then I come down and say, okay, what went well? I realize now a whole bunch didn't go well, but what can I find that was positive? It's almost a, a, a losing game that you're playing with yourself. Mm-hmm. So Jen, to your point, it's not, it's not ignoring the things that you could continue to develop or the gaps that you might fill down the road. It's more focusing on, let me look at the glass half full as often as possible. That would be a realistic approach to doing this. And it's not stacking my ego. It's not anything else like that that would maybe push push someone into starting to feel like, okay, now I'm coming across a bit arrogant. But it's just recognizing there were things that did go well. I want to make sure I, I identify those and then I can build on those small wins. And John, touching kind of on that last piece of what you said, not coming across arrogant or as if you know everything that's going on or as you would say, a know-it-all. I think it's very important to utilize your resources in terms of this confidence, remembering there is a difference between confidence and cockiness and Mm -hmm. trying to stay on that confidence side of the spectrum, using those resources around you, use those people around you. If you don't know something, ask if you need to clarify, clarify again, these are going to be those small things that change you from being that overall, maybe a little bit too arrogant or a little bit too cocky back down to that confident, keeping yourself personable with those people around you, making sure you can entertain that open dialogue around some of those questions. Overall, this is going to keep you in that confident sector. And I think that that's something that's very big in business because that is a, a very, very thin line that we we tend to not want to cross into. Yeah, absolutely. When we do cross into that line, it feels more like the sleazy car salesman and not as much of the person you want to sit down, do business with, create that relationship. And it's such a fine line. And so to your point, Matt, you really want to be cautious that you don't build your confidence up so much that you do cross that into the cockiness side. Yeah. And I think helping people realize it's not about being the loudest in the room or having the most to say in the room. I think that's where sometimes that confusion exists where people think, okay, well, so-and-so always talks in meetings. So he or she has got to be confident. That's not always the case. It's going back to the comment I made earlier of what you are saying. Is it impactful? Can you, can you say the most by saying the least, if you will? Yeah. Now, John, on the flip side, you've been coaching clients for 12 years now across all levels throughout all different industries. What can you share with any of our listeners about what you've learned on confidence over the years? Sure. I think the number one thing, Jen, is is reps. I think I made the comment earlier, action leads to your own building of said confidence. But without getting those repetitions, you can sit behind a screen or a desk and read and study and research all the things about confidence. There is a wealth of knowledge that exists out there today around building confidence. You don't get there without getting out of your comfort zone and doing the thing. You have to go and get those repetitions. So for the same reason, when I started coaching, I was looking for and seeking out opportunities to go and coach, go and use the skill set that I'm going to be teaching and coaching other clients. But it's not me sitting behind a computer and waiting. Okay, now it's been six months. Now it's been eight months. I'm getting closer and closer to being ready. That's not really where you start to build that confidence yourself. Right. And I love a Denzel Washington quote. And he says, ease is a greater threat to progress than hardship. And so I think a lot of what we talk about in terms of building your own confidence is trying to find those opportunities where you are going to get pushed out of your comfort zone. 
-hmm. It's not putting yourself in a situation to fail, but it's finding situations where you can say, okay, even if this doesn't go well or go exactly as I had planned, what can I have learned? Mm -hmm. And I, I've used this acronym in a social post before, but F-A-I-L, fail, is a fantastic attempt in learning. Yeah. And I love that because too many people fear failure and they decide I'm not going to do that thing because I might not finish it, or I might not do it as well as other people would do, or I might fail at it. And instead of looking at it in that way, how can I reframe my mindset and look at it? Even if this doesn't go exactly the way it may have gone for somebody else or the way I would hope it would go for me, what did I learn from this? But you going out and taking the action, taking that first step, getting out of your comfort zone is really what helps to build and really set that foundation for the confidence that you're instilling in yourself. Yeah. And I really liked, I think, actually, you said earlier, evaluate after you've done something, things that went well and things you might change. So rather mm -hmm. than things that went well and things that went poorly, just changing that by saying, by by putting a different title to it, things I might change it doesn't have as much of a negative connotation. So again, we're not focusing on all of these negatives. It's an opportunity to do something differently next time that might have a greater impact. Yeah. Again, that's the, how you want your, your mind to be thinking about these things. Yeah. The beauty of what we coach, Jen, with communication skills, and you and Matt know this because we started with every program, it's not so much about being right and wrong. Yeah. It's about using skills that are going to allow you to be described most or more effectively and then avoiding things that might have you come across least or less effective. And I think looking at it through that lens, it always offers an opportunity to self-evaluate whether you are looking at your own skills and diving in or you get feedback from others. And I think so much confidence can be built around receiving feedback. Mm -hmm. And that's a different topic for another podcast, but the feedback spectrum exists to allow people to build on what others perceive, what they may perceive, and then some of those things that are just out there, that exist in space that you can recognize and realize, okay, this was positive and this may not have gone exactly as I had planned. What was the impact of that? And then why or what might I change going forward? Yeah, and John, I think about thinking about it as a spectrum is a, a great way to do it. I think that's something that as we come up through school, from elementary school up to high school, all the way up to college, Failure is something that has such a negative connotation around it. Yeah. So when we come into our adult lives, our business lives, and we do things that are PD related or such as ours, that is executive communication skills based, and we have a class that comes in and they're all at different points, they all communicate differently, and they start thinking about it as that right versus that wrong instead of that spectrum. That's where we see those people that think they're doing so very poorly every single time. When you can start thinking about these wins and losses as a spectrum of things you can do more effectively for the next time or maybe were less effective this time, you can then come in and you can think more about what it is you want to do for that next time, what's going well, instead of just self-imploding and saying, that didn't go well, none of that was good, and overall it was a failure. Failure signifies that nothing went well, whereas, as you said, a fantastic attempt at learning shows you that you're learning something somewhere along the way, which is how you're going to build that confidence. And yep. I think that's a great point. And that that fear of failure can lead to this stress or anxiety that people have around whatever the thing is that prevents them from wanting to do it because it might not go well, or I know this isn't going to go well. So I'd love to hear from both of you on how can our listeners overcome some of that stress or anxiety? How, how, how can we rethink things or focus on areas that actually help us make 
the interactions, the, the skill, the thing you're doing a more positive experience and help build that confidence. And Matt, I'll go to you first since you just touched on it. Yeah, I honestly think that with that, just giving yourself the benefit of the doubt and remembering that when you are starting something new and you're trying to gain this confidence that we're talking about, whether it's confidence in speaking, whether it's confidence in your business, confidence in your work, remember that it's never going to be attained on day one. Your first day of a new job, your first day of starting something new, your first day of a class, that's never going to be where your confidence is going to soar. It takes people 5, 10, 15, 20 years in any sort of industry, in any sort of anything to get proficient enough to have that kind of confidence. Remember that it's going to take you a little bit of time. If you take those mental hits at the beginning of that learning process, while you're trying to get those skills right, while you're trying to build the beginning of that confidence, on that back end, mentally, you'll never be able to be wholly confident in your skills. You need to give yourself a chance to learn so that on the back end, you have a chance to say, okay, I understand that. I took it slow enough. I didn't overwhelm myself. And now I mentally am self-confident enough. That's going to help you to share that confidence with your audience and to portray it. If you never had that early confidence, you never had that early belief in yourself, that's going to carry out onto the rest of your experiences and later in that work life, later in that speaking life. Great points. John, how about you? Two things come to mind, Jen. I Preparation is number one, and then yeah. believing in yourself is number two. I think both of those in a perfect world would go hand in hand. But Matt touched on preparation earlier. I think that's so important. The more yeah. we are comfortable with the message, the content, the situation, the better it's going to be for us because we have an idea of what we're walking into. But if we don't prepare, I, I think you're walking into a trap because you're always going to be thinking, I don't know this. I don't know what the situation is going to be like. I don't know who's going to be in attendance. Not to say that you need to memorize things, not to say that you're going to know everything about an interaction, but some level of preparation is going to, is going to make you feel good. Yep. I think the belief in yourself, this is just something, whether you've got a personal mantra that you say to yourself, you visualize success, you say, okay, here are the expectations I'm setting for myself and here is how I'm going to attain or get to that finish line. But that self-belief is such an important component of building on that, that confidence. And maybe it's a, a, something as small as just setting little realistic goals for yourself. Mm-hmm. And I'll use the example I just finished, Lauren and I just finished with a half marathon. First half marathon either of, either of us had ever done. We'd never run 13 miles before. That was the longest at any given time. Our long run during training was 11 miles, but we built up to 11 miles. Right. And so our first long run way back when we began at the, at the start of the 14 week training program was a three mile run. You can get to three miles. Perfect. So we built that up. Then the next long run was five and then seven and then nine and then 11. Each time we built confidence knowing, okay, look, we've got a five mile run this week. We did three miles last week and we're still here. Yeah. Then we check off the five mile box. Great. Now we've got seven miles in front of us. Yes, that seems daunting, but we know we just did five. But rather than going from, okay, yeah, I've run 30 minutes at a time. I've run 45 minutes at a time. I feel like I could probably knock out 13 miles. That may not be realistic. Yeah. And so setting some of those small steps. And as we think about it from the communication standpoint, you've got a meeting with an audience. What are three things you want to make sure you have shared to that audience that will be most impactful to them? Focus on getting those three things out clearly throughout your talk. This way, when you finish your talk, you can go back to your notes and you can check off one, two, and three. Yes, I made a comment about blank, blank, and blank, but that's your small win for the day. And 
build on that for the next meeting or build on that for the next pitch or the next client interaction you may have. But stacking those, again, we go back to the small wins, stacking those small goals that you can say, okay, yes, I accomplished or I achieved is one step closer to you getting to said finish line. But that's what builds the confidence time and time again. Yeah, great points. And I'll add two more to what you guys said. I think the the first one is don't forget to breathe. It's mm-hmm. amazing how easy a pause in silence, a deep breath, but taking a moment to just stop, gather your thoughts, take a breath. It's going to feel long for you as the speaker. Your audience always appreciates a nice pause in silence, some downtime in between what's being fired off at them and their listening and comprehension, but just stop and take a breath. And then the second piece I've talked about this, I know before on previous podcasts, but there's the Simon Sinek clip about reframing nervousness or anxiety in your mind. And rather than saying, wow, I'm really nervous about this, going into it and saying, wow, this is really exciting. You have an opportunity to do something, to impact an audience, to share some piece of knowledge or experience with them. And just reframing that in your mind, and it kind of ties into that visualization But just reframing that in your mind, it's amazing how much stress that can alleviate simply because we're not focusing on the stress of it. We're now focusing on the excitement of, I get this great opportunity, or I have an opportunity to impact or share something with an audience. So I think those two things can really help overcome or think about that anxiety a little bit different as well. So I'd like to have both of you summarize the importance of confidence in communication. Can each of you leave us with, let's say, one or two final remarks on what you think is most important for our listeners to take away? And John, we can go to you first. For me, Jen, the quality of your communication is largely a product of your degree of confidence you have going in. And so I think so much of what we've talked about just in this episode alone goes back to what are you telling yourself around certain situations? Mm -hmm. Being confident too many days are wasted when people think about comparing themselves to others or trying to be something or someone that they aren't. The the confident folks that exist out there today and whatever it is that they do are authentic, they're genuine, it almost looks effortless. Whatever it is that they're doing that you are perceiving as confident looks like they're not trying so hard. None of that happened on accident. So we've all got our own strengths and we all have to acknowledge that we have weaknesses. But when we can understand that here are your strengths and here's what may not be your strengths. That's how we build the confidence to succeed around the things that we want to succeed around. Awesome points. Matt, how about you? I would say for me, the the biggest pieces here are that confidence is the easiest when you're not drinking from the fire hose. When you give yourself a second to stand back, look at whatever that task at hand is, whatever the subject matter is, and break everything down. When you can break down your audience, you can break down your message, your meaning, and why you're doing it odds are you're going to be a lot more likely to go in there and give that talk that everybody wants to listen to and everybody wants to come back and hear again. The second piece is that if you are not confident in yourself, you are not prepared and you are not ready to go, that right there, you're going to be fighting an uphill battle already. Make sure that when you come in, you are prepared, what material you have, what you want to say. And like John said, what are those three most important things that you're going to talk about? Making sure that you touch upon every single one of them not necessarily scripting because again, that too may sound a little bit nervous, but being free flowing, touching what you want to touch, engaging that audience overall is going to make you come across more confidence, more confident just because your audience overall wants to listen to you that much more. Great points. I love both of those. So if we summarize our episode today, 
I want everybody to understand that confidence is important. It's one of the biggest adjectives that when we ask our groups, how would you like to be described? Confident is always one of those first ones that gets thrown out. So focus on this skill and start to fine tune it. We went through a lot of different techniques in the episode on how you can begin to do that. There are plenty of small things that we can do daily or weekly that are going to help us build that confidence. Again, things like focusing on positives, reflecting, getting feedback from others. And then the biggest one that John and Matt have both mentioned a number of times is practicing and preparing for whatever your thing is. When you hear a speaker that seems confident, also listen and evaluate what do they do that makes them seem that way. And then you can use some of those things in your own style and practice as you begin to move forward. As John mentioned, the more reps and the more practice you get, the better equipped you are going to be at that thing. And then finally, take those pauses, breathe. These things can be an excellent tool for calming those nerves, preventing that rambling and coming across as more confident. Don't be afraid to pause in silence and gather your thoughts or figure out what you want to say next and where you're going with whatever your talk might be. John and Matt, thanks again for joining us as always. And to our listeners, thanks for joining us for another month. Thanks for listening to the Speak As Well As You Think podcast brought to you by Vautier Communications. Again, I am your host, Jen Alex. Vautier Communications is in the business of business communication skills. We coach and train both individuals and groups on how to elevate their presence and increase their impact through the way they communicate, present, and write. If you want to learn more about our in-person or virtual training options, visit our website at www.vautiercommunications.com. Thanks for listening.